Get ready to drop the puck, take a free throw, and step up to the plate. It's time for the Metro East Sports Podcast on lineupmedia.fm. From the front office studios in the luxurious Whispering Heights living and entertainment community in Edwardsville, welcome to the Metro East Sports Podcast. Season number four, show number two, recorded Saturday, February 11th. 2023, just a few days before Valentine's Day, I'm Dave Leip, and show number two features the one and only, the incomparable, legendary coach from Edwardsville High School, two-time state champion, one-time national champion, 27-time world champion, Tom Pyle, and one of the greatest players ever to play for Coach Pyle, an SIUE Baseball Hall of Famer. And the kingpin here at front office, fiduciary, Chad Opel. Welcome back, Chad. Hey, thanks for having me. This is awesome. Welcome back. This is awesome. Coach Pyle. Hey, what's happening? This is uh, podcast number two for you on the Metro Esports podcast. Every time I lean, I go back in this chair. <laughs> it's killing my back. It's called a pickleball back. So for those of you who tuned in to listen to Coach Pyle complain about the chairs, I'm sure you're enjoying this podcast. So uh, I promise we're going to talk about more than the chairs at the front office fiduciary studios. But thanks to partners, Cassins, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, and Ram, Callaway Home Loans, Keller Williams, Marquis, Jeb, and Ginger Blasting Game, Integrity Spine and Joint Center, Front Office Fiduciary Network, Oak Brook Golf Club, and Wang Gang Asian Eats. We're talking all things sports in the Metro East. Three things before we get to Coach Pyle. Number one, subscribe to this podcast. You love it, and it's free. Number two, follow us in all of our social media platforms, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And if you have a story idea, maybe there's a legend out there that we haven't had on the show yet that we should have on the show. If you have a story idea, email me, please, at mespdave at gmail.com. And remember, you can nominate your favorite team for Integrity Spine and Joint Center Metro East Team of the Month. Could be a park and rec team, could be a middle school team, a high school team, you name it. To nominate a team for Team of the Month, send your suggestion to mespdave at gmail.com. Please put Team of the Month in the subject line. All right, welcome back, Coach. Thank you, big guy. Congratulations. Recent induction last weekend, along with the 1990 team, into the Edwardsville High School Athletic Hall of Fame. And next weekend, you're going into the St. Louis Hall of Fame along with the same team. How many Halls of Fame is this for you now? Seven. But who's counting? Not me. Does it ever get old? Uh, tell you the truth, the 1998 team going in in 98 last year and 90 this year is really worth coming back for because I've been here a week and my feet are still frozen. They're barely thawing out. But you don't want to come. You do, you don't, and then you come and then you're really glad you did. Because you currently reside mostly, permanently, how 80, 90%, 75% in Florida. How much? I'm a 66, uh, Dave. That means six down, six back. If you're a 57, you're five down, seven back. Okay? You're a 66. I'm a 66-er. You could also say 50%. I didn't do that well in math, but uh, you're right. So you were thinking about not coming back up north, 
because this weather is terrible, but you get here and the experience of going into the Hall of Fame made it worthwhile. Let's talk about last weekend first. The Edwardsville High School Athletic Hall of Fame. You went in with your guys from 1990. Describe that experience. Well, it was unbelievable. That was uh, the first state champion. And what gets to you, you see the kids, you reflect back, you reflect back, reflect back on the games, the practices, the ups, the downs, the peaks and valleys. But then when I watched the video and I saw the comments made and Tommy Price went in as a Hall of Famer and his comments, I mean, then I reflect back and I said, well, no wonder we won a state championship. These guys are, they're class guys. They all were intelligent. They, they bought into the program and uh, they were just awesome. And then you got guys like Chad Opal, who was in the sixth grade, and he sees them play, and and that's all part of it. Just like all of us, Dave, we had our heroes. You even had maybe one at Granite City. I remember having Chad in high school in writing, and I believe the course was called Composition. And Chad wrote about the experience of going to see that team play and how that motivated him when he was in high school. And that was one of the first times that I made the connection as a coach, how important it was to get young kids to see kids who are currently in high school, to see them having success, to imprint that upon them. Am I right? It's everything. Do you remember, do you remember writing that? I don't remember writing that, but I remember staring at the 1990 poster every night when I went to bed that Coach Pyle signed, and it was, I mean, it was everything. You go to, you wake up every day, you go to practice, and all you think about was, it's not, I want to be a Cardinal. It's, I want to be Tommy Price. I want to be Mark Little. I want to be Steve Flowers. I want to be Funky. I want to be Serba. I want to be these guys. And that's, that's what drives you every day to hold up the trophy. At the, I mean, that's it. All right, Chad, what was what did I write on that poster when you were in the sixth grade? I'm guessing it was you gotta love it. That's it. That was it. You gotta love it. Hustle. I even per- remember it. And he doesn't, and he's got the poster. Well, go uh, ahead. Hey, what unfortunately was it? we had a flood in our basement many years ago and I lost the poster. It's gone. But when I was a kid, I looked at it every night, but I don't remember the exact saying, but it definitely said you gotta love it. It said hustle. Desire, practice, 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 and fulfill your dreams. That's what it said. I still remember it. I don't have to look at it every night. And that's what, and, but you said that after we won the state, you came over and you said, I looked at that poster every night. And that's what it's all about, you know, uh, emulating your heroes, wanting to be it. And we built that program, and just like Dave, you did the same in tennis, and your kids will say the same thing. They wanted to be a tennis star or whoever. But uh, it's it's huge. It's just big. Or you can even emulate a Stan Musial. You say, man, I want to be like Stan. I know I'm not going to hit like him, but I want to be Stan Musial because he was one of the greatest guys of all time. There's that great uh, moment that you two shared that everybody can see because it's on YouTube when you won that state championship where you two guys hug and Chad, you're just bawling. I just, I just, he's love. even crying. Yeah, too. You guys are both just bawling afterwards. 
It's and the longest it's just hug like, I've ever had in my life. Yeah, and it was just like so sincere and genuine, and, and you guys can, can look it all up and you can see it. In fact, you can find that highlight in their film on ehshalloffame.org. Look up their profile and you can watch, watch the whole film. Okay, you mentioned Tommy Price. Did you happen to notice the song that was played by the DJ Andy Hanselman when Tommy Price went up to accept his Hall of Fame? No. This was the song. Come on. Smooth Operator? Smooth Operator. <laughs> Is that a good one? Oh, that's classic. Smooth Operator. Chardet? Couldn't be any better. I asked him, I said, did you notice the song that we played? He's like, no, what was it? I sent him this video. Come on, this is perfect. That's him, Tommy That's Price. That's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, you can't you can't talk about a better guy for a young person to look up to. Not only is he amazing at sports, he's a good-looking guy, but he's intelligent and he's just he goes after it. It was awesome. Tell the story about when he was recruited at Notre Dame. Well, he was highly recruited because he's you know left-handed pitcher and had a great record. He has an, enough size. Uh, the only thing that hurt Tommy was uh, the – but he threw it, 83. But, th- you know, as you go up and go further up, they want more V. But here's what happened. Uh, Illinois, he was thinking about going there, and he liked it. Uh, There's a couple other schools were after him. And I get a uh, – Murphy's a coach at Notre Dame, and – I see a coach sitting out there. I go over, introduce myself, and he said, I'm here to see Tommy Price. And after we got done with the game, he came over and he says, man, I really like that little kid, and I love the catcher. I said, I know, they're players. And I said, and I think they're Division One." But uh, he said, I don't have room for him. You know how it is in college. You got scholarships to give. And he went after Price. Well, he came back with a half ride. And then I said, you're, you're not even going to close, I said. And then he came back with a three-quarter ride, which is really good. Notre Dame, which is one of the better universities naturally. And I said, no, you don't know his dad. I do. His dad's a friend of mine. And I said, he went through the depression and stuff, and he's not going to spend a dime if he can get a full ride somewhere. Or he'll send him out here to SIU. That's Pat. And he said, well, all right. So he comes back, and it's $2,500. I said, Murphy, why don't you understand, what don't you understand about full ride? Because they don't give full rides in baseball. Uh, they, you know, stretch them out. So anyway, he said, well, I got 25. I'll give him to, uh, all but 2500 I said, no, you better get a sugar daddy because <laughs> and, and raise 2500 bucks." Or you're not going to get him. So he calls back and he says, quote, you think he can win? I said, think he can win? Why wouldn't he? He wins at every level, starting with Little League. He dominates, and he'll be no different at Notre Dame. Fast forward his four years at Notre Dame. Tommy set, a, I don't know how many pitching records. And he's uh, he was third-team All-American in the nation. And he's got he set all kinds of Notre Dame records. Murphy... Including uh, including the, the wins record. All-time wins. He left Notre Dame with the all-time wins record. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. But anyway, I called Murphy. He, he moved to Arizona State. And I finally get his number, 
I get the assistant coach, and I, he says, I said, I need to talk to Coach Murphy. Murphy. And he said, well, wait a minute. So he comes on, and here's what I said, quote, you think Price can win and hung up. <laughs> That's all I said, and I'm sh- I, I didn't give him a chance to respond. How did you hang up? Did you, you, threw, it, did you throw it down, or did you politely set the receiver? It was a, it was a moto hang up. The plastic cracked. But uh, no, it it, it Tommy he, he's all world, and uh, but gee, we, you know we had a lot of great guys that bought in, and that's the key. You got to have. I'm not saying they were in love with me, but they have to respect the coaching. They have to put the price in to do what the coach wants. If he works at it, now you know everybody say, "Oh, I work at it," and I'm. I hate losing. Well, that's a little different with me. We put the work in. Anybody who played for us out there will will say how many hours they put in and the work in the, and what went into it. It's not just work. It's what you do at that time. You know, you can get stuck in a snow, and you keep spinning and working to get out, and you get deeper and deeper, and you haven't gone anywhere. So a lot of people say, well, I put in a lot of hours, but what would you do in those hours? And the key to Edwardsville was the kids would buy in and they would practice and love it. They want more ground balls. They want more fly balls. And Chad, he'll verify this, uh, but it's just a wonderful thing. And guys like Price and Slimmer was the third baseman and Little Funky was our shortstop. And I tell you, J.J. Serba, Mark Little. Oh, goes on and on, on and on and on. Orson, Drosty. Right. Orson, Drosty, weighed about Boyd, 130 pounds. Lawson game. I mean, yeah. Yeah. well, Boyd wasn't until 91, 92. I, I wanted him to go up with us in the 90, but, I mean, he, he became a dominant pitcher. And, uh, of course, he made the big leagues, which is pretty good. Uh, but it, it's just all part of it. There's so many things go into it, Dave. You just can't pinpoint and say one thing. But let's, I'm going to go back to Chad, the state championship game. Then I'll let you guys let Chad intervene. But, you know, Chad didn't get any sleep that night. Matter of fact, I was in his room. He was so wide awake that I went into the front office and got me another room so I could sleep. And I only got a couple hours sleep. Now, here's what's great about athletics. Our key player, at least – one of the two, was Opal. He has no sleep. He's higher than a kite when he gets out there, uh, ready to play, adrenaline going, nerves, all that kind of stuff, and then execute. That's the key. But when you have no sleep, and then you got to go out there and you're all keyed up and then make the plays, he made great defensive plays, Chad clearly was the MVP of the tournament, and then he goes on to have an outstanding Legion career and then an outstanding um, uh, college career. Hall of Fame college career at SIU Edwardsville. Cheers, buddy. Thank you for that. Oh, that that's 100% true. It was, uh, you know, you're jacked up. I, if it had been a four-game series, we would have been in trouble, but, the, but a one-game series, we were ready to go. We were flying high. All right, we're going to take a break here. If you need to take a break, Coach, this is this this is your time to do it because I got to talk about one of your favorite passions right now, golf. 
Oak Brook Golf Club, located northeast of Edwardsville. Oak Brook Golf Club is a family-owned 27-hole public golf facility. Their goal is to offer the highest quality golf experience for a reasonable fee. Oak Brook is consistently recognized for awards such as friendliest staff, best course to host a fundraiser, and best senior scramble in the bi-state area. From fundraisers to leagues to instruction to an afternoon out on the links by yourself, the Brook wants to win your business. I've personally played and hosted multiple golf scrambles there, and I will attest Mike Surrey and his staff are the best. To book your tee time or to start organizing your next fundraising scramble, give them a call at 656-5600 or check them out online at oakbrookgc.com. Played a few rounds there, Coach. Let me tell you, that was my second or third home. I, uh, that was my social thing, the Oak Brook. And, um, my first year here, I played golf and I, Larry, sorry, I didn't know him. And I said, uh, would you go out with me a, a couple of holes and help me? He said, sure. So he goes out, we go one, two, third hole. He said, all right, that's good. Let's go back in. So we go back in. I don't know Larry, sorry from Adam. He looks me in the eye and he says, Give it two weeks and quit. <laughs> and if you don't believe me, ask Larry Surrey. Now, Larry Surrey and Nancy, and of course Mike was a pup when I was there, but he is going to be one of the next contributors to go in the Hall of Fame, because him and Nancy together, because they have done uh, so much for Edwardsville. It is unbelievable. I mean, the golf teams go out there and play free. He'll give them anything he wants, you want. And then he lets kids play free. When we won the state in 1990, every player got a pass to play golf for the, I don't even know if it's lifetime or the year. Just here it is because he was so happy. Same in 98, full year, handed us, handed us a card. You guys can play golf here for free for the next year. Wow. It's no a calls. year. Then. Generous family. Great, yeah. great people for sure. All right. And, 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 and they don't want any fan. They're like Bob Wetzel. They don't want any fanfare. And they're just great people. And, I mean, I, 30 years I went out there, you know, my whole time in Edwardsville when I was here. And uh, they are some of the greatest. And they're, you remember I told you a couple of years ago, I said there's five people that helped make Edwardsville what it is today you said a handful but okay five okay well of course you know i'm one of them but other than that i told you who's number were. two we all know you're number one no, but who's I, no i'm not number one but baseball is part of it anyway not me baseball is part of it uh Surrey's one of those five he's definitely one of those five hightower uh, uh bob wetzel, wetzel bob wetzel uh fruit and uh Larry Surrey, and then naturally SIU had a big part of it. Again, it's like uh, you, how do you win, how do you win all those games? Well, there's a hundred things go into it. Same way with the community. There's a lot of little people that went into this. You know, I mean, I don't want to leave anybody out because there's a lot more than just five. But there was, in my opinion, there was five key ingredients, five or six, and uh, naturally Larry Surrey and Nancy Surrey were one of them. And there are a lot of people that continue to do that that kind of work to lift this community and the school district. You said Edwardsville. Did you mean the town of Edwardsville, or did you mean the district 
or did you mean the school district? Or, or did you mean both? Well, the district evolved around the town itself. The town was always good. I mean, I came here naturally wanting to be here. It's a good town. But it just got better and better and better. And not saying we don't have our problems and not saying we don't have issues. But the town got better and better and better. A good place to raise your family and kids. And all that came through, in my opinion, a lot of it was through sports. And baseball was the pioneer and the rest of them followed. And then football became very, very big. And, of course, basketball was, was – basketball was the sport. And it was the only sport, really, uh, back in the Manny Jackson, Dono. I 1956. Mean, as far, yeah, the, as far as big time. And uh, we always had sports and good sports. But we never could get to maybe the top because uh, of the facilities and money. We just uh, were a little bit, it seemed to me, a little tight with the purse strings back and the coaching, and we didn't have the facilities. But once those facilities started coming, then more and more people moved into the district because they want, they, and the education, they want the education, they want the sports, and they want the town. So this helped Edwardsville grow, but there's somewhere you got to start it. I think you can look at the number of all sports trophies won Back in the day when Edwardsville was in the Southwestern Conference before they dropped out, and that number was zero. And then Edwardsville gets back into the Southwestern Conference, and you can look at the number of all-sports trophies that have been won since they rejoined the Southwestern Conference. So you're talking about that type of success, and you're saying that Edwardsville baseball was the forerunner for – the boys' programs. Field hockey won before you. That was the first state team championship, and that was a big deal. Your state championship was a big deal also, and that you did it again just eight years later sort of cemented things, and you're saying that that kind of spearheaded some of the athletic success, and then you had to have the right synergy with Tim Doherty, played a huge role, Mike Waldo, Lori Blade, John Wagner, Dave all, those, all they, those coaches yeah. played a played a big were, role in that. They were all catalysts, absolutely. And well, I, Dr. I was Hightower. fortunate to see all that happening. And you know, as a kid, seeing that happen, then being a part of it, and then now seeing it after the fact. And all, don't forget all big the foundation and Bob Wetzel, like you mentioned. Yeah. What did yeah. it mean to you seeing Bob Wetzel get the credit that he deserved as a member of the EGHM Foundation? Well, as everybody knows, and I've mentioned it way before he went in, he's he's the key. He was such a pioneer in turning Edwardsville and making it what it is, and he did a great job with the bank. I mean, I don't know how many uh, little banks there were in Edwardsville, uh, Edwardsville banks, and it was a family bank and a great bank. But it, more than that, it, he was a uh, behind-the-scene leader, like Larry Surrey and those guys, and he just wanted to be the best. Now, when I first really knew he was wanting to be the best, I was in 1982, I think. And Kevin King made the all-star team. And so I went, and he needed uh, advertisement in the program. And so I, you know, we didn't have any money. I mean, all the money I had went to buying extra baseballs and stuff and machines. 
But so we didn't have any money. So I go in the bank. I know Bob a little bit, not much. And I know Mr. Hunter better. But uh, I went in there and I said, uh, can you give me uh, $25 for Kevin King in the All-Star uh, booklet? He looked at me and said, no. And I was shocked. I about fell out of the chair. He said, oh, no, we don't do that. We want a full page. We want the whole shebang. And I think it was 100 bucks. And I, from right there and then, I knew he was that type of guy. And then you go, when you needed something, you know, you, you, you knew you could count on Bob Wetzel. Agreed. Yeah, yeah. and I think, I think you're right. Everybody who spoke about him in his film and everybody who speaks about him to this day will tell you that he was not a man who, who sought out the spotlight, but he was a man who wanted things to get done and get done well, something that continues to this day. I think I think Mr. Fox and Dr. Shelton and Dr. Stewart deserve a lot of credit for continuing uh, the good work that a lot of those folks laid out there in advance. Okay, if you're looking to buy or sell a home in the Metro East on the Illinois or the Missouri side, please give our partners at Keller Williams Marquee, Jeb and Ginger Blasting Game the chance to serve you. They have offices in O'Fallon and Edwardsville with more than 165 agents. The Blasting Games are a family-owned business that has helped over 11,000 families find just the right home. The Lipes are one of those families. Jeb and Ginger sold our house quickly because they're experts at staging and pricing, and they helped us find the perfect home, and they can do the same for you. No wonder they've been ranked in the top 10 real estate teams in North America. Give Jeb and Ginger Blasting Game a call at 618-578-9276 or check them out online at BlastingGameGroup.com. You will not be disappointed. And big thanks to partner Cassens Chrysler Dodge Jeep and Ram, the number one place to purchase a vehicle in the Metro East. If you're in the market for a new or pre-owned car, check out Cassens Inventory in person where they've been for 25 years or online at Cassens.com. Cassens has earned the highest ratings for customer service. Their expert staff is committed to making your car buying experience enjoyable, including convenient on-site financing. I've purchased four vehicles there, and I will not buy a car or a van or a truck or a motorcycle anyplace else. With over 80 years of experience in the Metro East, I don't think they have motorcycles there, by the way. Cassens is, is the clear-cut leader for quality, service, and customer satisfaction. Go see Steve, Cliff, Holly, Greg, Bob, Mike, or Trent today, or Bob Wetzel's son, Scott Wetzel. Yeah, he's great the head, guy. He's the Aww, big guy the over there, man. Great, Best. fantastic guy. All right, Moto. So how are you keeping yourself busy these days? Well, Moto doesn't do much anymore. He, you know. He I've speaks lived. of himself in third person, though. Well, I uh, did a lot. And I've been very fortunate to be around a lot. I've been in a lot of countries. I've been to 49 of the 50 states. I've been very fortunate. And I just don't want to travel anymore and stuff like that. I mean, I've, it's harder on you. I'm 78, and the, the flights now are not consistent. And even St. Louis, you used to fly anywhere from St. Louis. Now you got to hook up with Phoenix or Dallas or Denver or, or Moscow, Calgary, and whatever. So I don't like to travel that much. And be honest, socially, you have to work at it. And when you get my age, you don't work at it anymore. If you want friends, you got to work at it. 
you want to play poker? You, I had to make all the phone calls. All these people were talking about I played poker with. I played gin rummy with Bob Wetzel at least 100 times. But it's always a deal, an ordeal, or whatever to get it together, and you, you lose that. I mean, right now you guys are young. I mean, Chad, my God, you know, he's in his social uh, – uh, prime prime yeah and uh you're about half prime and i'm no prime i mean my primer is just gone and uh so i don't do much i do work out at the pool a little bit i do a few exercises i uh ride around in a golf cart and see somebody doing something outside and i'll stop and talk which i like to do i can talk a little and, uh, Do they know that you're a legendary baseball coach in Florida? Have you informed them of this? Do you wear, like, your state championship medals around the pool? <laughs> Clip them to your Speedo? No, I put them right on my chest. Skin. <laughs> they, I can, I can, through I, the chest hair or through I, the skin? Well, he has them tattooed on his chest. Yeah, I've got them uh, on my chest. There's a couple, you know, the, that I'm closer to uh, that know about it. Kenny Shell's got a place down there with okay. us at Jerseyville's coach. Oh, yeah. Love and Kenny. And Danny Bauer, uh, he's a good friend of mine. He's coming up here for Hank Bauer and Jill Gombrich. His, uh, his sister, Jill Gombrich, is uh, the daughter and uh, or granddaughter, one of them. And so he's coming up to be with Hank, see me go in, Jill go in. You know, I got a lot into this 20th. Itchy Jones was my mentor in Carbondale. I had methods with him. It's called a little two-hour class. And Itchy and I are, are you know, he, he's a hoot. He's really a good guy. He was an outstanding coach at Jacksonville, Illinois High School. And then he did a tremendous job down at SIU. And then, he, of course, he went to Illinois and died and went to heaven. You don't have to work on the grounds. He, he, we, him and I talked one time. He said, that's what he said, I died and went to heaven. I don't have to have fundraisers. I don't have to work on the field. I got everybody doing that for me. All I got to do is go out and coach. And, I mean, I wouldn't know what that's like. A high school coach, as you well know, Dave, my God, you do everything. And uh, it's a lot different college days. Of course, they get millions of dollars, don't do anything but coach. Got eight assistants and still make bad decisions. Us in high school, Bobby Knight said this. He said the real coaching, not that I'm a fan of Bobby anymore because I met him. And it, it wasn't a good experience. But the thing of it is, Bobby Knight said this, the real coaching is high school. That's where you coach. And that's where it's done. So, uh, you know, these guys get millions of dollars now, these coaches, and they're not that good, I don't think. What did he mean? He meant the fundamental. Mark Little went to college. He went to junior college, and then he went to Memphis. He was an All-American. And you, he'll come home. And he'll say, I didn't learn anything in college. I learned it in high school. Tommy Price, this weekend, I was with him a lot. He said, and they're talking, he said, I didn't learn that much at Notre Dame. I learned at Edwardsville High School. From Mike Waldo. From Mike Waldo. And, and Daryl Butler. And how to hit. Dave, Dave he, loves to, he loves to pimp me, doesn't he, He Chad? does. Oh, I love it. He's I love the smile. Days of the giggling, so happy. giggling like a little kid. Last year, I went in the 1998 Hall of or the <laughs> Coaching Hall of Fame, and there's a picture, lifeline pictures of you cut out cardboards. I walk into the 
the entryway of the high school, I see my picture. It. Now, I'm not, the, I'm not a Rock Hudson or uh, Robert Redford by any means, but. Oh, come on. It was the ugliest picture picture on a cardboard cutout that anybody could get. Moet, I thought you looked beautiful. I thought you looked good. If you've got a handsome picture of Tom Pyle, please email it to me at mespdave at gmail.com. There is I one. challenge anybody to find a picture of Tom Pyle that is that, that anyone would describe as handsome. Beautiful. Well, you get my high school picture. I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to send it to you when I get home. Oh, you're handsome. You're, you've always been handsome. No, I haven't. To Dave. me. Don't lie. But the thing of it is, there was a day. Describe yourself. It was gone. That day is gone. <laughs> it passed. What day? The day that you, the day that you what? I had one day. Kay tells me I had one year where I was trim. I had the suntan. You, you suckered her in. The I abs. Did, I did. I, oh, God. I, I was a I worked on a farm, you know, all summer, lifting bucking bales and scooping corn, and then plus I lifted weights. Billy Brockhouse and I was the first one to have weights in Winchester. And, man, I looked good in the going down the beach. I loved it. You were turning heads. Oh, Hey, on. and you turned the right head. Kay is adorable and the biggest sweetheart. She's amazing. Well, uh, she has saved my life many times. Yeah. I came Fantastic. home from Vietnam, and I was a mess mentally. And uh, physically, I weigh, you know what I weighed when I got back from Nam? 148. Isn't he something? <laughs> 162, 34-inch waist, and looked good because I did 100 push-ups and 100 set-ups every day to get ready for Kay. Kay and I were married. But Kay said, I lost my train of thought. What was I on? You are talking about Vietnam and how good you looked that one summer. Well, I know, but before that. Mm. Uh, about Kay, who oh she yeah, saved she, my life because I was did. a mess and she was the grounding force that saved me could not have been the successful coach that you were had it not been for her because you had two kids at home two kids and here's the thing and you know this Dave when you go home from coaching which is a lot different than just going nine to five you don't do that you got games you got practice. You got to work individually with people. And Kay, at first, maybe the first year, because I'd come home, I wouldn't, you know, supper's ready and, and it's ruined. So we made an agreement. Don't make me supper. I'll just get the leftovers or heat it up or get a sandwich. And, and then from then on, it was fine. But Kay went to the game. She doesn't, she doesn't love sports, but she went to every game almost. I can't think of her missing one. And having to put up, especially in basketball, when I went volatile all the time, went nuts. And, I mean, it wasn't fun for her because seeing her husband act like a fool over there on the bench. You were more volatile in basketball than baseball? Oh, God. Not even close. Why? It's, it's a, I go to the game, I say, I'm not going to get upset. I'm not going to get mad. And then the ball goes up on the – jump ball and bong it's like a werewolf hits me <laughs> and i just the long hairs come out the long fingernails and I, I i mean i just can't help it and you're right there i mean you're like touching i don't understand though like you reach out and pop them why can't why wouldn't you get equally dramatically upset in baseball why what is it about i would have thought more baseball because you were the head coach you weren't the head coach in basketball 
but I was the head coach of the JV. That's okay. my team. I was head coach of the sophomore. That's my team. I was head coach of freshman what, basketball. At what were you angry, or at whom were you angry? Winning, getting hammered by the officials, which was in a lower level, JV, sophomore, freshman level, you're going to get hammered on the road. you got to be 15 to 20 points better than the other team to beat them. And I won probably 75% of my games on the road. And to me, I'm going to tell you the truth. I was a better basketball coach than baseball. And football, I, I broke uh, nine clipboard, seven clipboards over my head in one year. It was so bad that the kids got me a metal clipboard at the end of the year at the ceremony and said, break this over your head. Was that the year that you had a, had a Band-Aid on your forehead all year from, from bleeding all year? I would have thought at some point you would, learn to, you would learn to break the clipboard over something that wasn't your body. How many times that year were you concussed, concussed. by yourself? By the clipboard. Concussion? Yes. None. You can't get a concussion on this head. <laughs> How many times did you get thrown out of basketball games? Two. How many times did you get thrown out of baseball games? Many more. Really? I don't know how many. I, I don't know how many. Maybe three or four. I say I don't remember any in 98. Do you, I really don't. No. Do you think that that intensity and that anger was your greatest asset and your greatest detriment at the same time? I don't think it was detrimental, except it cost me probably the head basketball job. Ask Opal how I was, how I was in practice. Ask him. So you were the same in practice as you were in games? All right, Opal, how was I, he? I, I loved it. It was all about intensity. He would he, – he knew how to get literally – crazy in front of an umpire to push them to another level but then back down and he was the same with his with the, with with his players he would get crazy up in our face in the dugout to fire it maybe it wasn't about as much to me it was he's fired up the rest of the, the my teammates and then he'd pull me around the back how many times did you pull guys around the back of the dugout and go and like tell the story like okay you're good let's go make the next play and he'd give me the two finger, the two finger five. It was like, okay, here we go. And then I'd go out there, and I would literally want to run through a brick wall for that guy. Like that was it. Was it all planned? All the all the tantrums, all the no, all the tirades. They were all spontaneous. They weren't like, okay, today at practice, I'm gonna I'm gonna dig into these guys. It was all just spontaneous. Who you were? It wasn't premeditated or thought out. Well, I'll tell you what. When I was in about third grade we played monopoly and i got beat and i tore the board up do i need to say any more than that ask chad about the classroom ask him how i was in the classroom i saw you in the classroom well did i get any results kids responded to you kids loved you in the classroom and i'm glad you brought up the classroom today because you were a fantastic teacher and that's what i'm going to go on record and as as saying i needle you a lot but i think people Anybody who's going to say that Tom Pyle uh, is a blowhard or he's, you know, he's, he's crazy or he's, you know, in your face, blah, blah, blah. You can say that if you want to. But Tom Pyle worked hard to be the best history teacher that he could possibly be. He was engaging and funny. And he had 493 pictures in his room and 489 of them 
included himself. Well, that's not true. I had about at least thousands of pictures because I had collages, but I did have about 400 of myself. Do you feel like you were an underrated classroom teacher? No. I knew I was good. I wanted to be the best, like you said, and it takes work. But the world doesn't realize you were a great teacher. They they know you were a great coach, Tom. But I don't know. I don't know that John Q. Public realizes how hard you worked at teaching too. Bob Wetzel nut. Yeah. Because I had Scott, a high tower nut. Because I had his daughter. Right. And uh, it goes on and on and on. The parents knew, and that's another thing that saved me. I'm not so sure that I could have survived all this with with my antiques with uh, the principals and the supers. But what saved me always was the community because I had the community behind me. Matter of fact, I probably would have left. But the community helped me win baseball. It helped me build the field. It helped me, uh, you know, it just went on and on and on. So Eversville saved, as far as me being here, because I was about ready to move a couple of times. I want to get I want to get to the times that you almost moved, but first, Andy Calloway, one of your biggest fans and one of your former teammates, right? Yeah, Andy Calloway of Calloway Home Loans saves me money every month now, and he'll save my family thousands in the long run. How? He refinanced my existing mortgage, and he can do the same for you. Rates are all over the place, but you need to take advantage of an easy, fast, and affordable way to refinance. They do conventional FHA and VA loans, and ask for the Metro Esports Podcast Special. If you refi with Andy, he'll donate $200 to the Metro East High School or Junior High team of your choice. He'll give $200 to Edwardsville High School Baseball, $200 to Edwardsville High School Tennis, your choice. Call Andy today at 618-830-3332. Save money and support your favorite team in the Metro East. And, Tom, I know you love to eat. And Edwardsville has a bunch of great restaurants. But at the top of my list is Wang Gang Asian Eats. I've been a huge fan for years. Why? Their contemporary Asian menu is loaded with innovative takes on classic Asian flavors. Tasty appetizers like potstickers, choo-choo shrimp, and crab rangoon. Delicious entrees like their famous Drunken Noodle and the Dragon Poke Bowl, combined with their unique bar menu and world-class service, make Wang Gang a perfect destination for date night, family night, or even Sunday brunch. But if Asian isn't your thang, pop into Chappie's right next door for the best burgers, fried chicken shakes, and the coldest beer on the planet, located just west of Edwardsville High School in University Point 2, a.k.a. Edwardsville Food Courts. It's easy to find, and you'll be glad you checked out both places. By the way, all guests who appear on this podcast get a free shake at Chappie's. You want a shake, Tom? I love milkshakes. Love them. You're going to go get a great one at uh, Chappie's when we're done here. Okay. Now, Dave, you missed your call, and you ought to be on radio and podcast. In the entertainment. I am on a podcast. I know, but really get after it. English teacher. Having fun. Tennis coach or pod. What else would you have been? If you would not have been a baseball coach, history teacher, what else would you have been? Salesman. Selling what? Caterpillar tractors. 
to the foreigner for Saudi Arabia. I'd go over to Saudi Arabia. I'm not going to sell one <laughs> this track. This is very specific. I know. He, he thought about it. He thought, about, thought about this. You're ready for this. A lot. I would go over and go to these countries and sell 100 Caterpillar tractors, not one or two, and that way your commissions would be out of sight and I would have been big-time uh, salesman for Caterpillar or something like that and and forget that little little deal you see in coaching you 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 win your first regional well that's good man now i want to win a sectional you win the sectional now i want to win the state and it's just that simple and uh you you, if you're motivated but if you're motivated and you want to win you got to pay the price there's prices to pay in this thing what's the price what's the price yep 1998 i was fainting uh, in 1990, it goes back. Steve Flowers and I talked about it a while ago. He was the second baseman about every, once a week, maybe twice a week. He have to go over to the convenience store there from the complex, get a candy bar, get an apple and a diet Coke to save me because I was going down the blood sugar. I've been a diabetic since 86 in 1998. I mean, I was not only, and Chad doesn't know this, but I was fainting in the hallways I, I couldn't get to the bathroom to get water on my face quick enough, and it took a toll. I mean, I, I would still, I would have coached in 99 and 2000 and 201 because the, it was set. I mean, the, the teams are set. We got a practice field. We've got, uh, Mike would still be there, and, and I, I got Mike. I recruited Mike, uh, developed Mike into the coach he is today. He, he's a great coach. And I, but I could tell that. I could tell that within the first, you know, the first week you could tell. This guy's a coach. He's going to be great. He's just young. And, and, of course, he became the great basketball coach and a great pitching coach. Same way with Daryl. I developed him. I got him where I want him. He had the outfield. And I knew he would do a good job. And he did a great job. And that's all part of it, too. But you have got to pay the price. And my health took a killing. And uh, that's it. I had to get out in 98. And what better time? You're not going to get any better than this. You're 40 and 0. And, uh, but it, it was hard for me to get out because uh, I love it. One of the things that I learned from you, because I watched everybody practice. I watched you. I watched Waldo. I watched Doherty, especially in the weight room. I watched Doherty's kids. But I watched you practice plenty of days, especially in the gym when practice got moved inside and what I noticed about your practices, they were quick, they were efficient. You got your reps, you got done, you got in, you got out. And I've tried to model our program off that to a degree. How did you learn how to organize a practice? You know, that's a good question. And it's the same way in teaching. What doesn't work, leave it. What works, stay with it and make it better. You, you, you got to have a feeling. I mean, you just, a lot of people want to be teachers and they can't. They're not any good. They don't know how to do it. And a lot of people want to be salesmen. They, they're not any good. They don't know how to do it. You got to make mistakes and get better. You got to, and forget those things. Let those mistakes go by. And so practices, I hated standing around. I hated football practice. Uh, 
when I played and also when I coached. I coached eight years of football here. I hated the standing around the kids had to do. If I was a head football coach, believe me, I would. there would be a lot of things I did. They would be busy all the time. You could go out to one of my baseball practices and nobody, somebody's doing something. They're either hitting, fielding, or working on situation basis. Never. And that's why at three and a half, four hour practices, they went so quick. I mean, Opal has never seen a ground ball that he didn't have in practice. Never seen. We've tried to prepare. I'm going to use Chad because he's right next to me. We tried to prepare him to hit, not just hit a, a, a pitcher, but the pitch, slider, curve, change up. You know, if they invented anything, we didn't work against a screwball because I didn't know anybody could throw one. But if they did, we would prepare. Back in 88, we prepared for Westerfield. He was the only guy who could throw at 80, 85. So he's in East St. Louis. They were great. They had seven Division One players back then. I know you don't believe it. But in 88, they had a great baseball team. We beat them 3-2. to two. Your buddy, Adam Lynn, beat them 3-2. to two, And we went on uh, in 88, and that made us good to go to state. And then Adam beat uh, 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 Joliet Catholic, who was 29. And, uh, they won 29 straight, number one in, in uh, uh, Illinois. And Adam beat them, shut them out for nothing. Joliet Catholic who recruits like you cannot believe. If they've got a great baseball team and they're Catholic, they can recruit. We didn't recruit at Edwardsville. If, if I could go out and say, well, I need a center fielder this year, so I'll go down to Belleville or I'll go to St. Louis or I'll go to Collinsville and get me a center fielder. Hey, I don't know if we'd ever lost a game. Probably not. But was there a difference in coaching kids that grew up together? When you talk to Chad and his team in 98, you talk to those boys, the Huttons, those kids all grew up playing together. When you talk to this 90 crew, Price, Little, Flowers, Serba, when I interviewed those guys, they all said the same thing. We grew up playing Little League together. This was, this was our team. This was our community. I think there's an advantage to coaching these boys that grew up with these circumstances. They may not have played in the same team, Little League, but by the time they got to middle school, they were playing together. Well, if you don't, if you're not a teammate, let's say you moved in from Wood River, and uh, you don't know the well. Flowers came from Jennings. Crothers came from Wood River. Crothers came from Wood River. Jennings came from uh, Flowers came from Jennings, uh, not because of baseball. They just moved, and uh, you know, just like Crothers. Let's take Crothers. He had to get in the fold if we're going to be the team. If you're going to compete at state, you want the best team you can get. I had to develop Crothers to get him in the fold, who clearly was one of our core players. you got to have four or five core players in order to win the big one. And we had the four or five, and Crothers was one of them. The Huttons, and we had Evers, and, and, and we had Cyber, and then, of course, Opal was – and not because he's sitting there, but he was key. He was, Chad never yelled at anybody, but he'd look at you, the kids, and, man, they would fold their tent. Mike Waldo didn't yell much, very little. 
in baseball. I know he did in basketball, but in baseball he didn't. He'd just look at the kids and they'd melt. Now, my motivation was a lot different. And one guy one time asked me, he said, how come you're such a great motivator? I said, I'm not a motivator, but I know when to bench him. And I'm not afraid to bench him. And if they mess up, they're going to they're gonna bench. Dave, when I played high school basketball, if, we turn the, if I turn the ball over, okay. If I turn it over a second time, I just start walking to the bench because I'm coming out. That's the way I was brought up. Jack Renfro, Collinsville, Illinois. They got fourth in state in the 50s. He was my high school coach for three years. He taught me more about basketball. But it's not just basketball. You take the things that Jack Renfro taught me, and that's how you teach. You learn a little bit. I learn a little bit as I go along. And I knew one thing for sure. I was 3-19 and 19 my first year in basketball, head basketball coach. And I knew one thing for sure. I hated losing, and I better change and get better. Of course, we didn't have any talent. And number two, or get out. If you had had your way, would you have been a head basketball coach forever and never even coached baseball? Because baseball wasn't your sport as an athlete. Had it your way, would you have coached basketball? I would have coached basketball and not to coach baseball and or, and or football. But I'd be dead. I'd had a heart attack, but now I, I'm, I mean, I'm very, or I'd have to settle down, change down. Because you do not even have a clue, Dave. I don't think you saw me. I mean, I'd coach in a freshman girls basketball game, and there'd be five people there. Everybody said, oh, Tom's putting on a show. No, I'm not putting on a show. That's just who I am. There'd be five people, and I'd get so upset. And... I want to win, and I want the girls to play the way they've been taught. And if they didn't, I'd get upset. If a referee gave a bad call, I mean, I could take some bad calls. But when they call five fouls on us and we're, we're and we didn't touch them hardly, and they're knocking my people down and no call on a shot, then I got a problem. Did the referees hate you? That's a good question. I'd say. I know. I ask a lot of good questions. That's why I'm here. That's why you need to retire and get into the podcast business. Now, here's the other thing. Yeah, I think some of them didn't like me, but I think most of them respected me for what I'm trying to do. But I also think there's some officials out there that want to see me lose. You know, the great Tom Pyle, you know, quote, unquote. We're going to make sure he loses. Everybody loves to win. Everybody hates a winner. So the more you win the more some people were going to pine for you to lose, to use your son's middle name, by the way, which I happen to know. John Pompile. Next question. Who were the teams that were toughest for you to beat during your career as a head baseball coach at Edwardsville? You mean local? I mean, whatever teams were the ones that brought out the best in you because they were your rivals. Who were your rivals? Well, uh, I umpired when I first got here. I coached football, basketball, and umpire, and that helped a lot. And so I got to know these coaches. And back in the day, consistently, it, had, it was Belleville East or Belleville West, one of the Bellevilles. Now, occasionally, it'd be, uh, Granite City would have an outstanding team. Uh, and then Collinsville would always have a, you know, not every, every, every year. But it seemed like the most consistent. And the team you had to beat, 
because I said this, and they quote me now, these kids. You better be able to beat the Bellevilles if you're going to go anywhere. You got to beat the Germans and you got to beat the Dutch because they're disciplined. They come up the hardcore way. They're workers and they had a lot of Dutch and a lot of Germans. Now, when I was at Washburn, we played Toluca. They were coal miners' sons. My God, they go out there, and I wanted mine to be like those. And I did. I got my kids as tough as Toluca before I left Washburn. Toluca but, tough. Oh, man. And they had one of the greatest coaches in the history of basketball, Chuck Rolinski. Never played him eight times. He's the only coach I haven't beaten. Oh, and eight. Got beat by three, got beat by one, got beat by two. But never beating. Only coach. Any baseball coaches like that that you never beat, that you always wanted to beat, you never beat? No, no. See, we, what happened, Dave, we, we, I, we, my, I patterned after Belleville's and that type of thing. But, no, it, it became you have to be, go through us. You don't go through Belleville. They're the, from 88 on, it was pretty much Edwardsville. Not every year we didn't go or win it, but uh, you had to go through us. And and if you look at the record, there are at least three or four sectional finals. We got beat two to one. In 97, we got beat two to one. In uh, 96, we got beat two to one. By Marion and Belleville West. Belleville West. We beat them eight, eight to one, 12 to one. They come over and throw a, uh, their third baseman at us because they didn't have any pitching. He shuts us down. Oh, you were a junior. I was a sophomore and a junior. We in Marion, uh, we lose Marion two to one my sophomore year in Belleville West my junior year two to one. You want me to tell you what he did as a, as a sophomore? He, oh, for four. He, no, he pinched. He didn't start. He pinch hit and he walked. With ba- bases loaded, he, you pinch hit for the number four hitter with me. Think of this. And I walk. And drive in the only run, but think I, of that. I wanted to, I wanted to get hit and drive in two runs, but how many coaches are going to get their number four hitter bases loaded and bring in a sophomore that hasn't even started every any one game? How many? Now let me tell you another thing. In 1990, when we won the state, not one of those outfielders was a starter. They one of them started three games because Clucker went to Spain. I brought up Matt Hall, sophomore. He started his first game in the championship game. Turner was his third game. And I'm Drosty, who played left field then. He was a junior. He played thirds at 91. He went to right field. He didn't play right field. He played left field. We went in the 1990 championship game with no starting outfielder. Think about it. I prayed every pitch. There wouldn't be an outfield hit. And if it was, it was a lazy fly ball. And Mark Little went in there and pitched nine shutout innings? 123 pitches. Unheard of. No pitcher in the history of my coaching went more than 123. And you know what? If I'd known that, really, because, you know, you're all in the game. You, I'm not counting pitches. We did have a stat man do it. Of course, he's not going to come over and tell me. But he pitched. He threw 123 pitches, nine innings, and he – is not a pitcher. He wasn't little league, and he was, but but he was a gamer. Describe that. Describe that performance by Mark Little. Unbelievable. Oh, I can tell you, I was there. I was Rank it. Straight. Rank it. Uh, well, unbelievable. I mean, how can a guy win a state championship game and not not be a pitcher? 
it, it's almost impossible. To How did up. he do it? He did it by throwing a lot of curveballs. He did it to keep him off balance. He cannot throw a fastball down the gutter. They'll kill it. Those people can hit up in Chicago. They know how to hit. They're not, and you're in the in the finals. These are great teams. You've got to keep them off balance. You cannot throw gut shots. So how does your center? How is your center fielder able to pitch this gem? How is he able to throw all these curveballs? Not everybody's center fielder can throw a bunch of curveballs. I'm well, going to jump in here. Well, first of all, we just didn't stick him out there. He he'd been in the bullpen. He, He'd been working. multiple simulated games, right? right? Mike worked with him, not like he did the Huttons and Hampson, but he worked with him, and it's just not we threw him out. And he threw a couple of games. He he pitched against the Smet and got bombed. Of course, anybody, Bob Gibson get bombed at the Smet. They had the hardest infield in the history, and you hit a ground ball, and it was a base hit. So he got shell-shocked there, and then he pitched another little game. But we went to Springfield Griffin and played a double hitter. Two things happened. Little pitched all world, and he, it was the last game of the season. And Jason Boyd, I took him up on the bus to Springfield, and he pitched the last inning. One, two, three. I don't know how. It might have only been nine strikes, too, nine pitches. Unbelievable. He was a sophomore. I looked at Mike, and the sophomore coach, by the way, told me not to keep him. He's trouble. He, he's He's wild. Uh, both mentally and physically and and whatever, and they said don't keep him. So if, if I went by my sophomore recommendation, Boyd would have never pitched. Now, who who is a future Hall of Famer at EHS? And and a major leaguer. And yeah. the thing of it is about Boyd, I look at Mike, and Mike looks at me, and I said, gee whiz, I knew he could throw hard. He dominated Springfield Griffin, a great team, baseball. They like they were kids. So he goes on. His junior year, he starts. And his senior year, he goes 29-0 and 0 and loses to Bell. Here's another one, Belleville West, 2-1, to one, sectional final. And he lost his first game. He throws a two-hitter. Hutton gets beat on a two-hitter. Jason Boyd gets beat on a two-hitter. Uh, is, that, is that in Grand City, sectional? Yeah. Yeah, I was there, too. I so, remember these things as a kid. Two-hitter. Dominate. They, the kid that got a hit against him was a hanging slider. He could not have hit a fastball. It was a, it, I don't, didn't like the call. Of course, I knew about it afterwards. And Ben Slimmer's the shortstop. We moved him because of the slider. You know how we moved the yeah. infield, Chad. That's, yeah, we're prepped. And uh, we moved the second uh, shortstop and hit the ball right where a Slimmer would have been, about a 14 hopper, and just barely got through yeah. to beat us 2-1. to one. Devastating. Devastating. He, Devastating. <laughs> Devastating. <laughs> any regrets? When you look back, what would you have done differently? Is there anything when you look back that you think, you know, maybe I shouldn't have done that. I would do this differently. Anything like that? Mistakes? Not mistakes, but just things that you would do differently now in hindsight, now, now looking back on things. Not so much do differently if I had an individual... I got my top three I wouldn't have done. In 1988, Tommy Price would have never come out of the game. I took him out because he was wild, but he wasn't. He was throwing strikes on the corner, and the umpire were calling them balls. We were ahead 6-1 to one in Barrington semifinal, 
and I think we would have won the state. But I took him out, and then the other guy who was good. I'm not saying he wasn't good, but they just happened to shell shock him, and we got beat by Barrington, who won the Legion the year before. So they got a good team, and they've been up there before. Kirby, Kirby Ham, good uh, uh, Kirby Smith, a good coach. But anyway, that's one. Two, I would never in, in 1997. I think it was seven. Yeah, I would never pitch to the kid of Belleville West. Uh, he's the only guy that could hurt us. He 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 was a hitter, an athlete. Swift, Swift, baseman. Yeah, Swift. I would never pitch to him again. We were going to walk, pitch carefully. You know, we must have gave him enough to hit. He hit a ball. He hit it to Bogle. Bogle was sure-handed as anybody. Yep. But that ball was hit so hard it hit his heel and rolled up his shoulder and went over. And then Hampson's a junior. Hutton's a junior, the catcher. Hampson throws a changeup. Good. It hits the plate and skids underneath Hutton's uh, legs, and they beat us 2-1. to one. That's how they mm. beat us. On a shouldn't have pitched to a guy, and he gets on base, and there's another runner on in front of him. That's two. And three, in 1991, if I had to do over, I would have split Boyd and Blasting Gum and tried to win the state. We were 39 and oh, we were We won the state year before. We won 64 in a row. We're number one in the nation. Number one. And I might have split them, but I didn't. And Drosty, who's a competitor, and he'll compete until he drops, he just wasn't good enough for him, for uh, Thornwood. I mean, they had some. They were good. They had some so studs, good. studs, and I'm not, I'm not sure Boyd and Blassingham could have shut him down. I think they would have done a little better job. But Johnny, he fought. He went one, two, three in the first inning. But it just, I would have started those and split them. That's three, and there's a lot more. But that's the main three in baseball. Do you love baseball? I've loved baseball since I was old enough to turn on a TV and see it. I went to a small town to play because we didn't have it in Winchester. I mean, uh, Little League. We only had to go to Bluffs. I have been, I love going to Bush Stadium. The purity of the game is all world. You, you bobble the ball, you hit the short, you're safe. You know, it, it, the purity of the game is, is the best. Playing a sport, football. I love playing football. Coaching, number one, basketball. Purity of the game, baseball. But I was the baseball coach. All the football coaching I did, all the basketball coaching I did, all the farming I did, sitting on a tractor, Vietnam veteran, and having the strongest mom, demanding mom in a, that I know of, went in to and losing and hating to lose, and then smart enough to get good coaching and smart enough to – another key to me is I knew who to play and when to play them and how to play them. That's key. you got to get players, surround yourself with people you think you can win with, and that is key. They don't have to be the best player even, but you better be tough, and they better be able to compete and pay the price. That's what I'm looking for in three guys. That's why I like football players. I like Chad Opal from his freshman year on because I saw him play football. An Alton guy, about 160-pounder, fast, comes around the corner. Chad weighs about 100 pounds and cuts him. 
I mean, cuts him in half. And I said, Jesus, who's that? And they said, that's Chad Opal. Well, I, I knew the Opals, the name, but I didn't know him. And so I, I keep an eye on that. And, and then all of a sudden, he's, he's coming out through the system. Now he's a sophomore, and I've got my eyeball on him. I, got my, I started working with James Hutton as a catcher as a freshman, you know, in the, in the backyard, I mean, at the high school. I said, get your gear, and I hit him ground balls. This doesn't come easy. Uh, Ever, Evers played first base. He's an outfielder and a, and a pitcher. And he pitched for us a lot until we didn't need him anymore. He's an outfielder. He started different outfields his sophomore and junior year. Now I put him at first base. I would like to have a dime for every time I hit him a ground ball. He got good. So then Morrison. Morrison didn't play much first base. It was Tommy Price. But we went with Morrison because I didn't want Price to be the best pitcher he could be. A lot of these pitchers gave up a lot because they could play. Uh, Gum could have played a position. Uh, ben Hutton could have played a position. And I'll tell you another thing. One of the best baseball players didn't even come out. And who's that, Opal? Mark Alaria and Chris McCoy were two, two great guys. Mark Alaria might have been. Was he the, one of the best when you were playing as a – Oh, he was. He, he, now, hands down. I wouldn't, even, I wouldn't even have started. I'd been on the bench. There's a guy that might – and Flowers brought up a good point. If Rob Verde, who was a starting second baseman in 91, hurt his arm as a junior, didn't even come out. He couldn't throw a ball from here to the wall. Flowers made a good point. He said, you know, I might not have ever made the team. Now, here's what – and you gave Flowers the chance. Look what he did. You give Opal the chance. Look what he did. And he might he's right. He might not have ever had the shot. I, you would have played second. <laughs> well, if he's better than you, I don't know who's better. I never I never coached yeah. him. All I know is Hilarious. Uh, Vince Hilaria played for me in football. And gee, you teach him one thing one time, and he was he'd he'd do it. Were you nervous leading up to games? Were you nervous night before? Never night before. Two minutes before the game, no no uh, nails on my hand. No, I was a nervous wreck, but I was that way as an athlete. Let me tell you another little story about football. Hornberger, the, one of the greatest running backs in Eversville's history. EHS Hall of Famer, played at Colorado. He has a bad, not a good good game for him. So I, I caught, and I'm doing his leg, his quad. And I'm down to the third level. That's how far I had to go to get the Charlie horse out. And I'm running with that hot stuff. It was on a Wednesday. We're playing Alton Friday. I said, Jeff, what in the hell is going on? What's wrong with you? You're, you're just not running hard like you did. He says, Coach, I don't want to tell you. I said, what? You can tell me. Come on. Because I was a backfield coach, too, and I did all the drills with him. Anyway, I said, uh, what's wrong? He said, I'm scared. I started laughing. I mean, I'm howling. I said, you're scared. I said, well, who isn't? Name me one athlete that's not a little bit scared of getting hurt or not performing right or making the air or fumbling the football or missing the free throw. Name me one athlete's not scared. And I said, Jeff, that's nothing. And, and some people even throw up before a game. They're so nervous. And then they play great. Well, he went out against Alton, had 178 yards. 
Now, you'd call that motivation, I don't know, but he had 178 yards, and it was like a man among boys. Have you replaced it? Have you replaced coaching in your life? Will anything replace it? No. I, I haven't replaced it, and that's why I'm a little bit, uh, I'd say, depressed. But it runs in the family anyway. But uh, I think it's chemical too. But you're on the edge, Dave. You're teaching. You're getting umpires. You're doing stuff, preparing, fundraisers, coaching. And you're on the edge constantly. you got to be thinking constantly. And then competing. I love the competition when I played and when I coached. The thing of it is... You never get over it. Chad Opal, sitting right next to me again, will remember his days as an athlete at Eversville High for the rest of his life. His friends are the people he played with. Now, he's got other friends, but they're always going to be a part of him. Eversville is going to be a part of him. The team's going to be a part of it. And when I buy at Marco Fish, then he likes me. What do you want to say about playing for Pyle, Chad? We've we haven't we haven't we've hardly given you a, a chance to communicate over there. <laughs> well, Coach Pyle does buy at Marcos whenever he comes to town, or he's here for the summer and is six and six. We we try to have uh, lunch at least once a month, and Coach always buys, and I I try to I try to buy, but um, it's unbelievable with with Coach Pyle, Coach Butler, Coach Waldo, Coach Doherty. And my parents and my wife, those folks right there are on a pedestal for the rest of my life. And they have, they have helped me become the person that I am today. And especially Coach Pyle. Because, you know, you, just for giving me the opportunity and putting me on that, putting me at that, that level to say, I believe in you and you're good enough. And then just letting me do my thing and preparing me to do it. And, and you know, and I, and I came through, luckily, but, bec- you know, I never would have done that without him and those coaches. And, and that, just, that just sets a tone for the rest of your life. I'm good enough. I can do this. If I work hard, if I prepare at what I'm trying to do, I can be successful. So then you go out in life and you, you, you know, you you do those things and good things come and it just keeps, you know, piling up and it's great. And I love it. I see what you did there. Piling up, piling up, piling up. Hey, listen, I called Chad in the office, uh, his senior year and, uh, he's always let off or hit ninth, you know, that I know of. And I just love the way he played as a junior I love that football mentality. He 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 was going to be my man. It's that simple. So I called him in the office. I said, you know what? I'm going to hit you three. He didn't say a word. His eyes got big. I mean, huge. And he didn't say a word and walked out. Now, I gave him the responsibility. Hang on. Do you remember that? Oh, hell yeah. What were you thinking when I, he said that? First of all, I, all right, I, I can't believe, A, I can't believe this. Did you look at that as a promotion? Oh, absolutely. Oh, God, Jesus. Big. Are you kidding me? Coach, you're going to, you want you want me to be 
slotted in the spot that needs to deliver the most for Impact. our team. And and I it's funny that I didn't say anything because I probably didn't even know what to say, but I was I took it as a responsibility and let's go. And I literally for you know 40 games, I hit three for 40 games. And the rest is history. And thank you, coach. Thank you. You're thanking me? You're the one that hit the gap shots. You're the one that hit the homers. But you see, Chad, I knew you'd come through. I, not to the level he did because, Chad, I mean, people don't know. They, they, they haven't seen it. But he went to levels way above where I thought you could go. Me and, too. And, and so didn't uh, some of them. They, they're, they're, they're better than what you think. And and that and that that core four or five, they can carry the other three or two players, and, you know. And and of course you gotta, it's and in pitching, it's not just you gotta throw the right pitch at the right time. It's not like you gotta get a timely hit or make a timely play. You you can ask Funkhauser this year's team, they they made the play when they had to. They didn't have that many hits. You're not gonna get that many up there, but he got the key hits. And he got the key play, and he got the key pitch. You got to have keys, or you're not going to win at all. Because I mean, I know. I mean, within '82 we didn't, '88 we didn't, and '91 we didn't. Uh, but uh, it, no, it's uh, it's something else. And I and Chad, and he does, and he's very successful now, and he should be. And and a lot of that's because of sports. Absolutely. Could you coach coaches? Could co- could you teach coaches how to coach, or do you think coaching is just like are you the way you are because of innately you're so competitive and you're you you can reach people? Could you teach people how to do that, or is it just who you are? I've never, except one time in my life, played tiddlywinks. I could teach tiddlywinks, and within one week, put on a championship team. But could you coach coaches? Could you look at the coaches? Could you look at other coaches and teach those coaches how to be better coaches? Did I teach Mike Waldo? I don't know. Did you? Is that? Did, yes. Did I teach Daryl Butler? Yes. I taught him the way I wanted it done. Do you ever think maybe you should have been an AD or, or a coaching advisor or a motivational speaker or something like that? Do you ever think about that? I, I thought about going into motivational speaking with my son one time, and we would put on a comedy skit, too, <laughs> with it. Uh, he would, I'd be John Bellucci, and he would be uh, the big guy. Dan Aykroyd? Oh, no, Farley. Okay. Oh, Farley, there you go. Because he can imitate him, and it's funny. No, we, and you got to have a little humor, too. Now, you can ask Chad or anybody who played for me. Was it all work? No. Did we have some laughs? Definitely. Funny things, things that went on. Or I might say, take off your shirts. And let's get some sun. Of course, I wanted to get ready for the summer anyway. Yeah, for your speedo season. Yeah, my speedo season. But we would do things. And and then once the practices were intense. Yeah. But once they're over, we'd sit down, talk about a girl, talk about how you doing, how's your girlfriend. Well, I got a little problem. How's things at home? Maybe they got a little problem. You'd talk about it. And uh, it's just not <laughs> go out, practice, go home. and uh, No, no. You they're like they're like children. They're like my sons. I mean, you know what? What the heck? Why did you wear one glove? That was what I. That was 
that's what I remember. The first time I saw you, I was I was I noticed the intensity, but I noticed you coaching third third base, and I noticed you had on one glove, and I thought to myself, self, why is he wearing one? Like, was that a Michael Jackson thing with you? I wanted rhinestones. No, it had nothing to do with one my, batting glove. You're right, and there's two reasons. I clap a lot, and. Be honest. Why not two batting gloves then? Well, because you don't need to. And besides, I'd always have one left on from the hitting fungos. See, my neck today is all screwed up because of football and fungos, how many I hit. But if you clap a lot, it, it gave me padding. But that wasn't the real reason I wore it. The real reason, and this is the last question because i got to get home. I'm with you. And the people are getting tired of me, you know. There ought to be millions listening to this. They might learn something. But the thing of it is, Dave, we we were down uh, three or four runs in a game way back in the 18, uh, uh, not 18, 1987. <laughs> and anyway, you can tell how one year I've deteriorated. I used to never stutter. Now I can't even think. But in 87 or somewhere along there, we were down three runs, and somebody yelled from the dugout, hey, coach, you got your batting glove on, and I look at it, and then I look up, and a hit. Then another hit, another hit, another hit, walk, air, hit. We win. So I said, well, I'm going to wear that batting glove in the next game. Hey, I got superstitious. Love it. Coach, thanks so much for coming by again. It's, it's always a pleasure. Uh, it went, that was the fastest hour and 21 minutes that I've had in a long time. Chad, thanks so much for, uh, for being here today. It's an honor. Appreciate it. Thank you. So great to see you guys. And for partners, Cassins, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, and Ram, Callaway Home Loans, Keller Williams, Marquis, Jeb, and Ginger, Blasting Game, Integrity, Spine, and Joint Center, Front Office, Fiduciary Network, Oak Brook Golf Club, and Wang Gang Asian Eats. And for associate producer Keaton Anderson, thank you for listening to the Metro Esports Podcast, talking all things sports in the Metro East.